Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Long Story Short podcast with me, your host, Vicky Cornick. I cannot believe we are at 14 episodes of the podcast. This is my third solo episode. So um, firstly, as well, I just want to thank everybody so much who has been sharing the podcast with their friends, their family. If you've just been listening the whole way, I cannot thank you enough. If this has happened to be your first episode, you have 13 other episodes to catch up on, which I would love for you to listen to. I've got some incredible guests on talking all things health, fitness, mindset, especially touching on women's health, which I feel is super important. And I've just learned so much from recording the past um, few months. So yeah, would highly recommend that you go back and listen to them. I would also really appreciate if you could give this podcast a rating. It just really helps me in growing the podcast and getting the word out there. So thank you so much. On today's episode, I am going to be discussing a really common question that I get asked from clients, whether they're new, starting in the gym, or I also get asked um, this question quite frequently on Instagram, and that is, do I have to track calories to lose fat? And I think this kind of comes from two ends of the spectrum. One end of the spectrum is you might see some people who say that the only way to get results is to track calories. And without tracking calories, there is no way that you can lose fat. And, you know, it can be quite an obsessive approach that people give off. There's also another end of the spectrum that I suppose is this kind of anti-diet culture who have this message that tracking is really, really bad for you and your mental health and your relationship with food. And that it is most definitely, if you track your food, it is going to lead to either developing an eating disorder or it is a severe sign of disordered eating. I like to be somewhere in the middle. And always when a client will come to me, I will decide whether I suggest that they track their food based on where the relationship with food is at, based on their goals as well. Some people, I'll be honest, some people start in Victory Fitness and they just want to learn how to lift weights and they don't really have much interest in nutrition or in losing weight or losing body fat. And in that scenario, unless they maybe decide further down the line that they have an interest in it, I don't really suggest they track their track their food. Um, but again, it, it always depends on the client. And I think that's where a you have to really put on your coaching hat and decide is tracking suitable for this person, this client that I have in front of me. But I suppose I'm going to give a short answer to the question that I first asked. And that is, do you have to track calories to lose fat? The answer is no, absolutely not. You, one thing that you have to make sure of in order to lose body fat or to lose weight is that you're in a calorie deficit. This can definitely be done without tracking. Although what tracking is, is it's basically a tool and it's one of the tools in out of many other tools in the toolbox that you can use in order to create that calorie deficit to lose fat. So like I said, it really depends on the person whether or not calorie tracking is suitable for you. One thing that I do always like to say to clients who start with me is that calorie tracking can be a really good thing to do for somewhere around four to six weeks. It doesn't have to be looked at something that you are doing forever or that's really, really long-term. Again, totally dependent on the person. They might have a goal that they're getting married in six months time. And therefore I might say to them, right, calorie tracking is probably the first step I take with you in order to, because your goal is, you know, six months down the line that you want to achieve that goal. And that's why we want that consistency with tracking. But if somebody comes to me and they're kind of just 
they've no idea when it comes to their nutrition they're really trying to understand calories and macros I will say to them set yourself a plan of four to six weeks to track and you will learn so much about your body the food the, the amount of fuel that it needs what type of fuel that it needs so I think for I suppose the general population those that do have a, a very good relationship with food tracking for a minimum four to six weeks can be a really really good idea um, to just learn about your body and how much food you need and what type of food um, you need you know that would be an example of getting enough protein and carbohydrates and fats into your diet Personally with myself, I have been tracking on and off for, I'm going to say about six years now. Um, I don't track every day. There are plenty of weeks I, that go by where I don't track. I am really busy with work um, and other things that I I don't rely on tracking. I will be honest, I definitely used to rely on tracking, but I've learned, I suppose, so much about my body and what I need that I, I don't need my fitness pal with me every single second of the day or even every day to know how much I need to be eating in order to maintain my weight or whatever my goal is. Something that I do think though is worth thinking about to, if you are somebody who's deciding should I track my calories or not is um, firstly I would say tracking is not for somebody who is going through an eating disorder or suffering with an eating disorder um, just because it does deal a lot with numbers and I know just speaking from my own experience with an eating disorder, your mind is already consumed by a lot of numbers and a lot of data and a lot of tracking. So it is probably not the best thing or it is most definitely not the best thing for you um, to start tracking your food. If you are somebody who has a, a history, so maybe you've recovered, Again, totally depends on the person. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know you. Um, personally, with myself and my recovery, it did get to the stage where I did start tracking and I found that that actually really helped me. One, mainly to eat enough food and two, which I'll kind of get into further down the line, is it introduced some sort of flexibility with myself and definitely helped me move away from that certain foods were, you know, in the good category and in the bad category and I find that I could introduce a level of flexibility into my diet. So that's personally just with myself. But as of right now, I don't track. I have a very good structure in terms of I eat three meals a day and one to two snacks, depending on how hungry I feel. And if I want to track on a week where I'm not sure maybe how much I'm eating, I'll, I'll open up my fitness pal. But it's not it's not strict. It's not rigid. Um, and then I suppose if you are somebody who has started tracking and you find that it's taking up too much of your headspace and that you can't stop thinking about tracking and you know uh, one example that I can sometimes hear from people is like they're going out for dinner with their partner or with their family and they're taking out my fitness pal at the dinner table and they're getting stressed and frustrated because they're trying to track their dinner that's where I would kind of say like either step away from doing that and just use my fitness pal as like you know uh, do it at a at least stressful time in your day or at a least time where things are going on or just maybe tracking isn't for you um but there are so many benefits to using tracking but like that if you find you're somebody who is getting obsessive and it's and it's just I suppose the thing that I always determine whether things are you know whether the dose is is good for you is um if it affects your quality of life and like that if you're going out with friends and you're stressed because you have to track whatever you're eating when you're out you're not able to focus on what you know, the conversation is with your friends, then it's probably not a good idea for you to be tracking. But again, everybody is different. Everybody will, 
decide whether or not they want to track based on their goals and based on where they are at in terms of their relationship with food. Um, There are, however, many benefits to tracking. And this is why I'm definitely in the middle of that spectrum because it is just so dependent on the person. I know I've said that so many times, but I suppose I'm going to talk about the benefits of tracking. And hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll be able to come up with your own decision as to whether or not you will start tracking your calories or like that. You might do it for four to six weeks, learn loads and then move away from it. So the one thing that I find is really, really beneficial when it comes to tracking is education. I get a lot of people who come to me who don't even know what protein is. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but that's where their level of knowledge when it comes to nutrition is at. So this can be really great for learning about the calorie content in certain foods. So especially things like, you know, a tablespoon of olive oil has roughly around 120 calories. A lot of people are really surprised by that. And a lot of people will easily, you know, coat their food in olive oil or add it to salads and not really think about the calorie content in that food. So that can be a huge eye opener for people. And I suppose have them pay a little bit more attention to the portions that they're using. Same um, peanut butter is another one or nuts is another one that people are so surprised about when they measure out, you know, a tablespoon of peanut butter, which is 16 grams, and they realize that that's 100 calories. It's probably a little bit of a smaller portion than they would have realized. Um, Same thing when it comes to, you know, almonds or peanuts. We tend to think that these are a quote unquote health food or a superfood that people feel that they can, you know, eat as much of them as they want, which I mean, you do you at the end of the day, but if we're not aware of the calorie content, we could be eating, you know, depending on the size of the packet, like five, six, 700 calories without even realizing. And I think off the top of my head, you know, a hundred calories of almonds is I think like 10 to 12 almonds. So it's not that many almonds, not saying you can't have that food, but again, it's a huge eye opener of, whoa, okay, I probably need to keep a better eye on my portion control when it comes to this. Something that I actually hear I a lot of, I have a lot of mum clients, mum clients, clients who are mums, um, excuse me, uh, and a lot of the time they will, a really common thing I suppose, is they'll drop the kids off to school, they'll go and meet a friend or a group of friends for a coffee afterwards, and will kind of be going through their food diary when they first start, and they'll be saying, you know, usually have my breakfast with the kids first thing in the morning, drop the kids off to school, go meet my friends for a coffee, and I'll have maybe a scone and a latte. So something that I will generally say to these ladies is track it. All I want you to do, I don't care if you go way over your calories, but I just want you to track it just so you can see the amount of calories that you're having. So I suppose when they track their scone, they might have butter, they might have jam, they might have cream. They also have a latte, whether that's a full fat latte or a large, you know, whatever it is. They are so surprised to see that that can rank up to anywhere around six, 700 calories in their day. And they've already had their breakfast. And then maybe two hours later, they'll have their lunch. They might, you know, snack throughout the day and then have their dinner at night. And this isn't to, I suppose, make them feel guilty or anything. This is purely just to show them that if they do that, let's say they do that, you know, Monday to Friday, every day of the week, that that is almost an extra 3000 calories added onto their week. So like I said, it's not to say that they can't do this, but it might be a case where they decide that they only want to do this 
on a Friday or they only want to do this on a Wednesday and on the other days they go and they might bring you know a protein bar and they might decide to have you know a low-fat latte instead so those simple swaps are absolutely brilliant but it's not to say that they can't have the scone and the latte it just might have them make a better more informed decision based on what they know and they know that by tracking their calories another great benefit to tracking your calories is accountability. So often people find that if they are doing a food diary or they're tracking their calories and they have to see everything that they've eaten for the day, and I suppose the next step to this is that if they find that they have to report back to somebody, i.e. myself or another coach, it often brings that level of accountability and usually then leads to people making better choices with their nutrition. So I suppose a great example of this is uh, often what I hear from a lot of people who have maybe a staff room in work. They go into work and, you know, they're tracking their calories and, or they mightn't be tracking their calories yet, but they go into work and there's biscuits. There's a packet of biscuits there and everybody's having a cup of tea in the staff room, chatting away. And a really common thing for people to do is have one biscuit, eat the biscuit. The packet's open now, have another biscuit, another biscuit, another biscuit. Definitely what I hear from people is when they know that they have to track something, they are far more likely to take a pause and decide after their first biscuit or even before they even start having a biscuit, is this worth the calories? And if I have to track this, I know that I'm going to see that in you know my fitness pal or whatever, wherever it is that I'm tracking. And secondly, if you have a coach, I know that my coach is going to see that. So it does what I often feel when it comes to that is it it implements this pause. So I'm a massive fan of mindful eating. And what's really important when it comes to mindful eating is implementing this pause that at least we're just stopping for whether it's 30 seconds or a minute and just thinking about what are we eating or how much are we eating. And when it comes to tracking, I suppose it implements this pause in the first place and gives you that decision or that choice to think about, do I really want to have this biscuit? Do I want to have six or seven of these biscuits? So it implements that pause. And then secondly, it's that thought behind, I know I'm going to have to track this. And is this, you know, let's say biscuit is 80 calories to 100 calories per biscuit. We'll make it 100 just to make the math simple. If you have, you're somebody that, you know, mindlessly eats or mindlessly snacks in those biscuits and has seven, 800 calories of biscuits, you're going to have to track that. And again, makes you think, is that really worth, you know, maybe that's half your intake for the day spent on biscuits. So accountability, one of those things that can be really, really useful. You're sitting at the end of the day, going through your MyFitnessPal and thinking, okay, I quote unquote spent 800 of my calories on biscuits and maybe that's not that worth it. Did I really enjoy them? Did I really want to have them? Maybe I would have rather spent that, you know, on a nice filling meal with plenty of veg, plenty of protein so that I wouldn't be getting to my dinner and be absolutely starving and only have, you know, 300 calories to play around with. Something similar that tracking can help with is awareness. So like I was just briefly talking about mindless snacking and we want to introduce more mindful eating approach, uh, tracking can bring this level of awareness everybody is busy at the moment. We are on the go, whether it's you're picking up your kids, whether it's you're rushing to get the you know bus to work in the morning, we're always on the go and we live in a really fast paced life at the moment. So much so that we often can forget at the end of the day, what did I even eat for my breakfast? Or a common thing that I hear is, 
oh my God, I had my breakfast at 7am this morning and work was just so busy. I didn't even get a chance to sit down and eat. And it's now seven o'clock in the evening. I haven't eaten for 12 hours and I'm absolutely ravenous. And, you know, before they know it, their mind has just been totally, you know, chaotic for the whole day that they've forgotten to sit down and eat their lunch. So something that I often see with people is they see how little they eat early on in the day and they therefore then struggle to not overeat in the evening times. Another thing kind of linked in with this is people often eat so little Monday to Thursday that they play catch up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And this I suppose is a bit of a vicious cycle and it ends up leading to this feeling of I have been so quote unquote good. I've eaten virtually nothing during the week. That means I'm going to go hard on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, eat whatever I want, as much of it as I want. And you end up like that, getting caught in that cycle of just kind of feeling a little bit crap. So what we want to do is we want to break that cycle and not that we're being so aware to an obsessive point, but we want to be aware enough that you are taking time out of your day to schedule your meals, sit down, have a nice breakfast, have a nice lunch, have a nice dinner and have a snack in there so that you are, I mean, not going hungry and therefore far less likely to overeat. And that's actually going to probably help you, not probably, most definitely going to help you so much more when it comes to reaching your goals. On the awareness side of things as well, something worth mentioning is a lot of people don't eat enough protein and don't eat enough fiber. So what's really interesting thing that I see is people who start, you know, they're maybe averaging at around 40 to 50 grams of protein, which I'll be honest is far too low, especially for females. And when we are tracking, we're more aware that we see that 40 to 50 grams. So people often might think, oh, I'm eating loads of protein, Vic. I have an egg for breakfast. I have, you know, a slice of chicken for lunch. And I have, you know, maybe a lasagna for dinner. And I might have a yogurt throughout the day. They often might find that, or usually kind of with that typical food diary that I tend to see is, they might find that, you know, it's, not adding up to maybe that 100, 120 gram protein target that they really should be hitting. And therefore they're more inclined to make better choices when it comes to having enough protein in their diets and maybe increasing that one egg to two eggs, maybe having two to three slices of chicken for their lunch, you know, lasagna, whether they're adding more mince to their lasagna and maybe they find their protein yogurt that they think is a high protein yogurt. You know, marketing is a great thing. Um, and they might find that that protein yogurt isn't actually that high in protein. So they make a different swap to another yogurt that is higher in protein. Again, that's where a coach comes in handy because we can kind of have a look at those things and guide you through it. But it can be a huge eye opener when it comes to making sure that you're ticking the boxes as best you can, especially with protein and fiber. One thing that I definitely found tracking really helped me with, I briefly touched on this at the start, and that was flexibility. So like I said, I'm very much in the middle of whether tracking is good or not good. My answer is it really depends on the person. But what really, really helped me was it introduced a level of flexibility. And it taught me that no foods were off limits. I could, in fact, if I really wanted to have an ice cream, I could find a way to factor that ice cream into my day. Let's say, for example, that ice cream is 250 calories, very easy to put into my, you know, 2000 calories a day. And then making sure that I tick the boxes for the rest of my 1750 calories that I have left over. 
that that's the great thing about my fitness pal is you can and I got this actually from one client who she started with me and like that she was in this mindset of kind of this dichotomous thinking and it was like oh I can have these good foods and I can't have these bad foods so we worked a lot um together I worked a lot with her on that and um, changing that mindset and one one evening it was actually on a weekend and I tried to stay off my whatsapp with um work on the weekend but it can be hard especially when you get a, a message like this but she messaged me and she was like oh my god Vicky I'm so sorry to text you on the weekend but you're not going to believe this I just went for a McDonald's with my boyfriend and I managed to fit in I think it was something like you know a hamburger and a medium chips and a McFlurry or something and she was like I can't believe that it was only you know we'll say 700 calories she's like I now have like a thousand calories left over of my day and here was me thinking you know I would have thought six months ago that there was no way in hell I could have had a McDonald's because it was bad for me and it was unhealthy and it was fattening so I would always go with my boyfriend but I'd never actually have a McDonald's so I suppose people can look at this both ways people who have this I suppose dichotomous thinking around food that's saying McDonald's is so bad for you it's unhealthy I'm going to go kind of the opposite way and given the type of client that it was and who was working on her relationship with food and kind of wanted to move away from that thinking I think this was a massive win for her and for the rest of the day you know she made sure she got enough protein in she made sure she hit her fruit and veggie intake drank plenty of water and on a once-off occasion having a McDonald's and factoring it into your day she hit her calories she stayed within her target and I think that's a pretty great thing to see. And I think it was a massive win for her. So it can definitely introduce this level of flexibility. Another common thing, like people, you know, love to have a glass of wine on a Friday evening. That's roughly like 150 calories. They can factor that in so easily. For me, having a little bit of chocolate in the evenings, something that I really, really enjoy with a cup of tea. And I know that I can factor that in and I put aside about 200 calories in the evening time that I know I can just have whatever I want provided it kind of falls within that 200 calorie range and I stay on track and I reach my goals I'm a huge advocate that the best diet you can stick to or the best diet for you sorry I said that totally backwards the best diet for you is the one that you can sustain and for I'm gonna say 99% of people that includes a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of, you know, sweets or whatever it is that you really enjoy. It doesn't really matter. But that usually that diet that people are searching for, what's the best diet is probably one that's going to include those things. Because I suppose we've talked a lot about this before, whether it's on Instagram or on another podcast, but when we restrict all these foods, that only increases our want for them. So I the one thing I really like about my fitness plan tracking calories is that you can incorporate those foods that you really enjoy in moderation, still tick all the other boxes, hit your protein intake, get enough fruit and veg in, and you can still reach your goals. So it's a really, I suppose it's a little bit of a, a clicking moment or a freeing moment when you realize that. But that is probably, in my opinion, the best thing when it comes to tracking is it usually removes that black or white thinking around nutrition. So they're pretty much the benefits that I can come up with when it comes to tracking. I don't know if I've maybe changed your view on tracking or you might think I'm going to try this for four to six weeks and guaranteed you are going to learn so much about your body. Even if your goal isn't fat loss or isn't weight loss, it's still really good to learn these things. I actually have one client who comes to mind here and she trains in the gym with me, but she also does a lot of basketball. And for her, I was like saying to her when we first started, I was like, you're probably going to have to increase your food intake because you are so active. You play sports at a high level. And she, for one, wasn't coming into me overweight either. She didn't have um, 
her goal wasn't weight loss or fat loss. So for her, I, I was saying to her, it was more of a case of we need to make sure you're eating enough. And she did this for, I think it was like six weeks. She tried tracking and she really learned how little and, and how much she was under fueling herself prior to that. And she was constantly saying like she was having really low energy. She was, you know, her progress had kind of stalled in the gym as well. Like she wasn't lifting heavier. And I said to her, I was like, why don't we track, you know, just see where things are at, not from a weight loss perspective, because you don't need to, um, but more from a just, am I fueling myself enough? And that for her was a massive eye opener. And she was like, I've never performed better when I'm playing basketball. My lifts are going up in the gym and I feel really, really good. I don't feel anywhere near as tired as I used to. So like that it doesn't have to be a weight loss thing it can purely just be to learn about your body and I would definitely recommend provided you know relationship with food is in a good place and that it doesn't become this obsessive thing that you're constantly thinking about definitely give it a go however I do think it's useful if I give you a few ways that you can still get great results when it comes to fat loss without tracking so a couple of things here just keep in mind that Tracking is probably a little bit more accurate. It's never going to be totally accurate. And kind of a little fact for people that they don't really realize is, and off the top of my head, I don't know the percentage. I think it's 10 to 20%. But nutrition labels, so the label that you look at on the back of a chocolate bar, can be off by about 10 to 20%. So what that basically means is if you have a chocolate bar that is 200 calories, and you take 10 to 20% of that, uh, that can be plus or minus 20 to 40 calories. So that chocolate bar could be anywhere from 160 to 240 calories. And that is fact. So that's the thing when it comes to nutrition labels, we tend to get so caught up on, oh my God, what are the exact calories in this bar? Oh, I've gone over my calories by, you know, 30 calories. I've failed. I've done wrong. Actually, we don't even know if that nutrition label that you've reported back on your MyFitnessPal is correct. So keep that in mind as well, that it's not about getting obsessive over the exact number of calories. Either way, if you were in a calorie deficit for a long enough period of time, you will get results. And that's really important to understand. So, but still tracking on MyFitnessPal can be a little bit more accurate than not. But again, it's based on the person, based on their goals and based on what they feel they'll get, you know, more sustainable results with. If you do not want to track, there are a couple of ways that you can still look to reduce your uh, calorie intake. And that is by maybe changing up your portion sizes. So something that I like to use with clients is like a plate diagram. So if you have a plate in front of you, filling half of that plate with uh, vegetables, filling a quarter of it with protein and filling a quarter of it with carbohydrates and about a thumb size with fats. And so an example um, of this could be, let's say you're having your dinner and you just have like a bowl of pasta or we'll say a plate of pasta to make life easier. And that's kind of a, a regular occurrence. You might throw in some pesto with that. That meal is probably lacking in quite a bit of protein and fiber. So instead, what you can do is you can still have your pasta, but just change up the portion sizes. So maybe pull back instead of having the whole plate of pasta, maybe pull back to about, you know, a quarter or even a third of that plate being made up of pasta, introduce a protein source that's about, you know, a third or a quarter of that plate, have your pesto, you know, your tablespoon of pesto or whatever it is, and then definitely try and get some veg in there, whether it's, you know, you make a side of broccoli or whether it's you mix the broccoli in. And that is just going to basically bulk up the meal full of, you know, probably lower calorie options such as your veg and your lean proteins which is also probably going to be a little bit lower in calories for the same amount of food than 
that uh, remaining portion of the pasta. So you're changing up the ratios. And again, I just think something that's really, really simple is half the plate of veg, quarter plate of protein and a quarter plate of carbohydrates and then a thumb size. So just literally grab your thumb. It's roughly around, you know, half a tablespoon to a tablespoon of a fat source. Another thing you can do is apply simple swaps where you can and also where you want to. So um, olive oil, I briefly touched on at the start, a tablespoon of olive oil is 120 calories. Um, in my opinion, that's kind of a lot for the amount of olive oil that you have in front of you. It's not really going to fill you up for very long versus 120 calories of broccoli, let's say. But what you could do here is maybe cook one of your meals with, you could reduce the portion size, so maybe a teaspoon of olive oil and at your other meals, maybe use like a fry light spray. So it's lower in calories. You still, you know, have something to fry your eggs on or cook your chicken in, but you're just pulling back the calories a little bit. Simple swaps um, as well can be like going from a full fat mayonnaise to a light mayonnaise, um, a full fat Greek yogurt to a 0% fat Greek yogurt, or going from a fattier mince to a lean beef mince. You're saving loads of calories somewhere, you know, anywhere near enough to 60 to 150 calories, depending on the portion that you use. And that can just be a really helpful way to save some calories without really even realizing it and without tracking. One thing that I think everybody could benefit from is create a better eating environment. So I briefly touched on awareness and we tend to be on the go so much, not focusing, busy, busy, busy. Eating without distractions is something that is so important. So without phones, TV turned off, you're, whether you're sitting with you and your partner and you're talking and you're focusing on the food that you're eating, you know, placing your knife and fork down after every bite, taking 10 to 15 chews per bite as well can also be really useful. We live in this, you know, kind of era that we are rushing, rushing all the time. So we down a sandwich and maybe a protein shake after the gym or, and we're not really thinking about what we're having. And then we kind of get to that stage where we're not paying attention to whether we're full or we're hungry. And that can be, um, I suppose, kind of a difficult one when you're trying to be more mindful of what you eat and avoid overeating. Something as well that trying your best to do is limit uh, eating in your car. Not the best environment to eat. I know some people have no choice. They're picking up the kids and they haven't, you know, got a time to sit down and eat their lunch. This is all, I suppose, if we live in that ideal world, which I know we don't, we don't. But whether it's, you know, maybe you do that five days a week at the moment you eat in your car, could you at least try to change that to two times a week where you actually make time to eat at home, whether it's with your kids or, you know, uh, in your office, you take time to go to the staff room rather than eating at your desk while you work. Something that I find really useful, especially when I'm not tracking, is eating slower. Obviously, that's uh, going to help you decide, you know, am I actually satisfied with the amount I've eaten despite not finishing everything on my plate and I often use a hunger scale so this is great when I'm out for dinner there's nothing worse than eating every single thing on my plate and then 10 minutes later I have to unbutton my jeans because I'm so full so one thing that works for me um I'm actually kind of a slow enough eater anyways but for those that aren't maybe setting a timer not saying you have to do that when you're out for dinner but can help when you're at home and taking you know 15 to 20 minutes to finish a meal rather than scoffing it down in three to four minutes um, or being aware of that hunger scale. So how the hunger scale works is you rate it as one to 10, um, 10 being like sickly full that you almost feel like, you know, you're going to pop. Um, 
and one being absolutely ravenous, like you can't even think straight, you're so hungry. We never want to be at either end of the, the spectrum there. We really kind of want to stay within a four to an eight on the hunger scale. And even just imagining that scale in my head can be really useful when I'm eating out. I'm kind of imagining, you know, that food is coming up, up, up. And when it's at a 10, it's at like, you know, my, I feel like my stomach's at my throat. And when it's like a one, I feel like I have nothing in my stomach. I think that can be a really useful way. And again, this isn't to overanalyze these things, but it can just be really helpful to think, you know, okay, I'm kind of at like, you know, a six or a seven, I'll have a couple more, you know, spoonfuls of my pasta, and then I'll probably be at an eight. And I'm pretty okay with that. And I'm going to stick with that. And that's like a nice fullness that we all kind of want to have. Also not being afraid to go to a four, which is maybe a little bit hungry and sitting with that hunger for a while can um, also not be a bad thing. And lastly, when it comes to the environment, avoid having like higher calorie foods in sight. I'm not going to be that coach or that trainer that's going to say you can't buy chocolate you can't buy crisps as I'm sure you've already realized listening to this podcast I have a very flexible approach when it comes to my diet but even with myself I do like to be smart in how much higher calorie foods I buy and quote unquote how many treats I buy and have in the house and where I put them as well so something that I find really really helps for me is not having higher calorie foods immediately there when I open the press or the kitchen or the fridge or the kitchen kitchen cupboard or where wherever it is in the kitchen and um, I know a really common thing for people is they might have biscuits sitting out on the counter or they go to the kitchen cupboard to maybe get I don't know, a glass of water. And that's where they also keep their packet of biscuits. Um, what I kind of suggest doing is maybe put them at the back of the cupboard or we kind of have this like um, cupboard that goes around on a, I suppose like a circular rotation thing. And I often forget if there's something at the back of that that I don't see, like I keep my cereal and the porridge and everything at the front and, you know, I have that every morning virtually. And I often forget if there's treats at the back of the cupboard and then I get them and they're out of date or whatever. So it does definitely make a difference not having things on the counter that if you're really, really hungry after a long day's work, you come in and you're just automatically hit with, you know, granola or chocolate bars or biscuits that are sitting on the counter or cakes or whatever um definitely would advise you know putting them away putting them at the back of the the fridge or the back of the cupboard and you know having the more staples in front of that so just a little tip there that I definitely think will make a massive difference because it's often we're not even thinking about the food but when we see it we're drawn to it and we can't stop thinking about it then so that concludes this episode. I really hope this has helped you in deciding, you know, maybe I will track for a short amount of time and maybe I'll step away from tracking. And those are kind of some of the tips that you can use to move away from tracking. And like that, keep in mind that just because you track or you don't track, you know, calories still count. So whether it is that I'm eating a sandwich and I'm tracking it or whether I'm not tracking it, that's still whatever 500 calories of a sandwich that's going in. So that also was a thing that when I was trying to move away from tracking in order to improve my relationship with food, because I will be honest, I relied on it a little bit too much. That helped me as well. I was like, either way, I'm still having the calories that I'm going to be having. Um, so I think it's good to, I suppose, sit back have a think, is this right for me? You might start it and realize, you know, it's becoming a little bit obsessive. I'm going to implement those little tips at the end and just move away from it. But I really hope this helped you in making that decision. And obviously, if you have any questions on this at all, please just drop me a message. I love to chat 
about all these things. And like that, if you give me a little bit of a background about yourself, I can maybe make a little bit of a more informed decision rather than um, having a very generalized uh, discussion like I've just done here. If you enjoyed, I would love for you to rate the podcast. Like I said, at the start, it means the absolute world to me and it helps me spread the podcast. And so I really, really appreciate it. And if you are looking for more information, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28 day trial that we run in the gym for half price. And you can also subscribe to the podcast for future episodes where I have some incredible guests coming on talking more health, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.